Hey, uh, this is a bonus episode of The Greatest Generation. And before we start the show, uh, we just wanted to say thank you so much for supporting us, especially this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, supporting the show has made it possible for you to get a bonus episode like this, but it also makes touring possible, which is how this episode was recorded. It was uh, it was from our San Francisco Sketchfest show uh, earlier yeah. in the year, a different time in so many ways. Our last 2020 live show, we were supposed to do, I think between four and six more shows were getting planned and had to be kind of scrubbed last minute because of the pandemic so yeah sorry minnesota sorry brooklyn but we'll be back uh we're we're starting to explore what our options for the future are so uh so don't lose hope for that uh this uh we mentioned this in at the beginning of a recent mainline episode but it's kind of nuts to listen back to this and hear how much hope we have in our voices (laughs) Right, and uh, I think the both of us are looking forward to getting back to that level of hope just as soon as possible, and looking forward to getting out and seeing as many of you as possible in the year ahead. Indeed, and speaking of looking at things, uh, since this is a live show, there are some jokes that are pretty visual in nature, and so what we're going to do is put up like private YouTube links to a couple of the clips that we throw to in this show just so that uh, if you're if you're following along at home and haven't actually seen the live show before you can go to the bonus content page of maximum fun that you have access to if you have access to this and check those videos out just please don't share them those are bonus exclusives yeah thanks for that thanks for covering our asses and uh, (laughs) thanks for your support this year and every other year of The Greatest Generation. Now enjoy this presentation of Greatest Gen Con 2, colon, Star Trek 3. Star Trek 3. <laughs> it's a touring Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who really can't believe that they get to do this on tour. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Never thought in a million years we'd be invited back to Cobbs after what happened last time. <laughs> uh, it occurred to me that the Two jokes in our in our little preamble are just our favorite two jokes from the last show. Yeah, it's but, also uh, it really exercises a venue sound system. But that's really what the recap is at the beginning of Star Trek right. Three. Like we didn't plan it like that. <laughs> no, we're just doing what they did, they which gave, makes it okay. They gave us the fart joke and the bagpipe joke for free. <laughs> 
That's value. Yeah. Adam, we got to do something very exciting Star Trek related recently. Yeah, uh, we were invited inside the pocket. We went, to, uh, we went to a fancy party in Hollywood and we got to see the first three episodes of Star Trek Picard. And we're going to tell you every single plot point. <laughs> we're not, but it's good. We liked it. <laughs> we liked the show. We're I agree. Tell you we yeah. liked the show. The party is amazing because it's full of like writers room people and like producers and Star Trek fans and then actors who are beautiful. <laughs> you want to know how you bring joy to a writer is recognize them at a party. Yeah. That's very thrilling for them. Uh, I got to talk to Wilson Cruz, who plays Dr. Culber on Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. And when who he is walked, a man who's just carved out of granite. What, he's so fucking beautiful. And when he walked away, he did a nice to meet you, like super intense eye contact. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I fucking melted. <laughs> I almost fainted. I was so... I was so starstruck, I, you guys. I melted during the retelling just now. <laughs> I have a little latent Wilson Cruz energy on my hands still. Wow, yeah. I you haven't didn't... washed these arms. Why would you? Yeah, why would I? Uh, I, got uh, to, I got to meet um, the showrunner, Michael Shabon. Yeah. Who looks amazing also. Just hair goals. Yeah. Michael Shabon. Amazing hair, amazing yeah. beard. Yeah. He was really nice to me. I used to know... He's his... sort of like if John Roderick were good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Way to drag our co-host from our other podcast. <laughs> last, last night we went, we walked into a, uh, a party and the host of the party... Like, John Roderick walked in first, and I walked in right behind him, and he just laughed in Roderick's face and said, you brought a younger version of yourself, and pointed and laughed at me. <laughs> it was I very mean, the hurtful. point and laugh happens all the time. It was that first part that yeah. made it unique. Yeah, it was like, it was because it was a new dunk I, that, I, that it gave me pause. Yeah, you live long enough, you experience all the dunks. <laughs> Um, what do we want to talk about with this Star Trek Picard show? I mean, we can't... We don't want to reveal things. No. These I... people would fucking kill us. <laughs> we thought about doing that uh, three truths and a lie game, but we didn't <laughs> pre-write anything, so we can't do that. No, that would be... Pre-writing? We never do that. Yeah. What, what would this be? <laughs> Not a set of jokes we already thought of. It's really good. I went in extremely nervous that it wouldn't be, because what if it's bad? Yeah. And then you've got two years of show to make about a, a show that's bad. We didn't want that. There's a lot riding on that show for us. I also think that some people will think it's bad, like inevitably. Right. There's a lot of people that think we're bad, and they're right. <laughs> These people are wrong. <laughs> These people have made strong choices about what to do on a Friday, <laughs> including uh, these ones in Gallagher tarps. You, you think you're going to get wet? Oh, man. Wow. Are you, are you sitting near someone who's drinking the giggle bowl, the $50 punch bowl? Did oh, anyone yeah. get Did one of those? Did anybody order the laughter punch? 
Oh, we have a yeah. Oh, shit. I have, I have something for you, yeah. uh, Laugh Punch people. S- send got... a representative from your drunk table up here, and we yeah. will give you some broad vitamins. We've got some broad drinking vitamins for you. Wow. No, that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna need you, them. You fucked up. There's. There's. There's two vitamins per packet. Distribute them as evenly as you yeah. can at your table. Crush them under that big bowl. You'll thank us tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, do them as a rail. That uh, it. It gets in your bloodstream quicker. The drip's the best part. You can tell it's working when your pee is slightly green. Which is very upsetting. Mine's only always red. Oh, no. (laughs) Well. (laughs) I'm fine, though. I mean, it it feels like we begin every show with uh, a health concern for me. Yeah. I'm fine. You're fine. Yeah. You're going to be good. Do you want to uh, do you want to get into this thing? I really do. It's been a long time since we've done this show, and I think it's going to yeah. feel new and interesting. It's going to be weird, guys. Gonna, we usually do this like mid-tour, and mm-hmm. this is like we we've been. It's been like a couple of months since we've done Greatest Gen Con to Star Trek Three. I'm so, even slow on the buttons. We brought all the things to make a great show for you. We brought the desk bells uh, in an attempt to live ding the title of tonight's show. We've done it every time. There's never been a night where we haven't done it. Yeah. Uh, so this certainly isn't going to be the one that we fuck up. <laughs> uh, we brought our, our pad full of drops. We brought a Rob's, 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 Rob's. Uh, I think we have everything we need, right? We got some clips. Um, yeah. Yeah. So why don't we get in to the third Star Trek movie they ever made, and one that is amazingly not the last Star Trek movie they ever made. (laughs) Because it feels like it was a close call, right? It does. Let's do it, what do you guys say? This mic is very heavy, it's making the mic stand fall. Adam put a counterweight on his, but I was worried about the eyeline of the people over here if I did it to mine. So, this one's for you guys. Hey, uh, you guys are fine. (laughs) You know what? You're going to be seeing this the whole time. So, The end of The Wrath of Khan was a weird series of emotional swings because it's both like we lost our favorite... Uh, second in command on the ship and also hundreds of cadets and we're really bummed about that but new planet so silver lining yeah it's a film that begins with uh, Kirk taking the L right yeah like it's a loss and Kirk he is, lost bad Kirk is bumming out at the beginning of Star Trek 3 he's doing a captain's log about how the Enterprise feels like a house with all the children gone it's a house with all the children dead technically <laughs> Um, the the smell must be awful. Yeah, they had to do all those repairs in space, and there's no way you're getting that out of the upholstery when you're just doing a patch job, right? Scotty's nephew died the day before this movie, and he is so chipper throughout. Nobody else is sad at the beginning of Star Trek Three. Only Kirk remembers what happened. 
Yeah, Scotty's getting on the radio like, I've got a reputation as a miracle worker. We're having a great time here on the Starship Enterprise, Captain. He knows they're going back to the station, and there are many job opportunities available to someone like Scotty. Scotty's got to be shitting himself, though, because his sister is back at Earth, and he's going to have to look her in the eye and explain what happened to her beautiful boy. The only thing that that explains Scotty's attitude here is that he knows for some reason that his sister's dead and that he'll never have to face her. (laughs) She was in a a shuttle accident. Really terribly sad. (laughs) Oh, well. Everyone in my family is dead. I'm terrible at playing the bagpipes. (laughs) The dark Scotty (laughs) storyline that pervades Star Trek films. Uninterrogated. We also uh, get to meet, early in this film, Commander Krug, the Klingon villain, played by Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) Ever heard of him? Um, And he is hunting for information about Genesis, which was sort of the, the, sort of a MacGuffin in the last film, but then they shot it at a planet and it (laughs) actually did something. Uh, Krug, you know, he, he's of the, of the mindset that this is a great weapon. He would like to get his hands on it. So much so that he's willing to kill his girlfriend for it. Uh, uh, do you remember the name of the girlfriend? We're talking about Valkris. Valkris. Yeah. I thought it was going to start with a K, like most Klingon. Calvris? Cal- Cal- <laughs> uh, yeah, she's sort of the, the er boob window Klingon lady. She's the first loafed Klingon woman we ever see. Yeah. And she's like maybe the most interesting character in the film because she delivers this PowerPoint presentation, which doesn't even really have the important information about Genesis, just like the information that there is a Genesis. She's sort of suicide by Krugs because as soon as she says, you know, I looked at this PowerPoint show, she knowingly says this to him. Yeah. And then he's like, well, you know what I have to do now is kill you. And he does. Commander Krug, I too have experienced the complete destruction of an entire planet and the loss of my girlfriend. I'd like to offer you an alternative to shooting your own, though. There was a time when I encouraged Rashan to wear more revealing clothing. <laughs> Except Rashan's boob window was down here. <laughs> time ravages all that are not dowed. <laughs> that was a solid title. Wow, thank Let's you. Let's just get it out of the way. That's not hanging over us like a sort of... Dingocles mm. anymore. You already named the show, Ben. Okay. Stop it. I'll, I'll stop trying to make jokes now. This is all serious from here on in. Um, the Enterprise gets into space dock at Earth, and uh, this is a shot that is like so fun and cool and shows the scale of this universe so well that they just stole the shot and used it in TNG. And when we were preparing for this show, we just put the shot from this movie and the shot from TNG up alongside each other. And it was so cool that we just wanted to show it to you. So we're going to show it to you.
Now that's the two shots superimposed. So there's such a like, I feel like if you're a Star Trek person or a Star Wars person, it's like rooting for a sports team and one side uh, doesn't often like the other. But you never hear the argument for Star Trek being like, mine is the one that's the most economical (laughs) in terms of special effects because they recycled this shot over and over again in Star Trek. The pedants will notice that it doesn't make any sense that they did because if space, I mean, either they rebuilt a bigger version of the same space dock, or there is something very wrong here because we all know that the Enterprise D is a lot bigger than the original Enterprise. It's like, it, like the original Enterprise fits in the star drive section of the D. And so we did a little pre-visualization of what this would really look like if the D went to the same space dock as the original. It's just really sad. Speaking of getting value from an effect. (laughs) Yeah, we are one to talk. Um, As they enter space dock, we get what is called the ghost scene. Do you remember what that is, Adam? It's also been months since we've seen this movie, so we're just... No, I remember that. I'm just vaguely trying to remember it. They set up a nest cam in Spock's quarters, and uh, and the motion sensor goes off. Yeah. And uh, Kirk had had Spock's quarters sealed, and he runs down there by himself, and there's two armed guards, like guys with guns and like body armor and helmets, waiting to go into the breach, and Kirk is like, don't worry, guys, I'll go in unarmed by myself. You wait out here. You know, like the last movie and everything I did there. (laughs) Yeah, Kirk likes to go in without protection is a theme that emerges in Star Trek. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) And so he tears through the sanitized for your protection paper that is uh, providing security for the quarters, and he goes in there, and he he hears a voice. It's Spock's voice. Or is it? I mean, clearly not, because it's Dr. McCoy. (laughs) Dr. McCoy is really, really disturbed, like profoundly mentally disturbed in a way that when you think about the fact that after this, nobody like checks him into a facility, he is just wandering around San Francisco by himself, <laughs> makes it seem like the 23rd century is not as far advanced from our present day as we might like to hope. And he's ridiculed from time to time in this film also? Yeah, it's fucked up. It's real sad. Uh, but McCoy, of course, uh, got the got the mind meld from Spock in the last film, and uh, he is he's really shook, and uh, and is very keen on going back to Vulcan. And Kirk is like, "No, man, we're we're at Earth. We're not at Vulcan." Anyways, later. <laughs> shore leave for everyone. Yeah, they. Uh, they do get shore leave. They, uh, they all line up and uh, in a big... It, it might be the same hallway where they interred Spock's body in the Mark yeah. of torpedo tube. It's, it's like, you know, in some workspaces, there's only one conference room. Yeah. This is that. 
Right. They hadn't had their, uh, their liquidity event yet. <laughs> That's a San Francisco joke. Uh, Commander uh, Starfleet's there. He's, yeah. uh, he's doling out the shore leave for everyone except for Scotty. He wants to put Scotty on this brand new ship. Ladies and gentlemen, the great experiment. Yeah. The Excelsior. They should have just called it the Great Experiment. What a great name for a ship. <laughs> it's a good tagline, too. Hey, though. what ship did you get assigned to? The Experiment. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to leave that type of stuff behind in college, Adam. Right. <laughs> With a name like uh, Commander Starfleet, it's a wonder that Admiral Morrow has any job other than what he does. Yeah. Yeah, he's got his hands full. Yeah. Uh, he also tells them that they are not allowed to talk about the uh, Genesis planet. It's become a great big scandal. Genesis Gate or Genesis Gazi, depending on your <laughs> political affiliations. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be an investigation, but it's a forbidden topic of conversation for the moment. And, uh, and that sort of sets the stage for, uh, for the end of Act One. Uh, and the beginning of Act 2 is the one Starfleet vessel that is allowed to go to Genesis arriving there. It's the USS Grissom, a real piece of shit. Of a, it's, it's the, uh, it's There's the, no car equivalent to this ship. No, it's like the spruce goose of starships. It's definitely designed to make water landings. Captain. It's the summer camp rental canoe class starship. <laughs> What's the canoe with the sidecar thing for stability oh, like that like you see in Hawaii? Yeah, yeah, it's like an outrigger. It's canoe. got outriggers on both sides. Yeah. See, if you're ever in a position where you're going to get stationed on a starship, you don't want the nacelles to be stapled to the saucer section. <laughs> That's really dangerous. Um, but uh, the captain of the Grissom is Captain Esteban, a.k.a. Captain Rulebook, uh, because this guy cites chapter and verse every time he has a line. And uh, we also see uh, David Marcus and Savick, who has been recast. It's no longer Kirstie Alley. It's now Robin Curtis in the part. Kirstie Alley really missed out on a movie filled with exploding volcanoes. <laughs> She would have loved this. I know. Kirstie have... Alley, famous Scientologist. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I wanted to be sure. The end of the movie looks like the cover of Dianetics, everybody. We need to keep explaining the <laughs> reference. It's our brand. Um, they're there to explore the Genesis planet. They do some scans. Uh, there's a... Jungle level, a snow level, a desert level. It's sort of a Super Mario type world. Uh, but they also pick up signs of a piece of metal on the surface, which should not be there, and some life signs around that metal. And Captain Esteban is quick to explain that uh, nobody will beam down to surface until Captain has determined that uh, any danger is not present. What is going on in Starfleet? when this is the man and the ship dispatched to to Federation Ghazi. Like, <laughs> why is this his route? It He's is, terrible. It's weird. Like, it's weird that, like, basically anybody at Kirk's level or higher that you meet in, in the movies is super lame and hateable. It makes Kirk's many rebellions okay because he's surrounded by idiots. 
But it also makes like the death of these people feel like great. <laughs> it just doesn't hurt as much as it would if it was like, man, that guy was rad. You know, when you're bad, you deserve to die. <laughs> wow, your th- your film paper is really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Krug shows this uh, this PowerPoint pitch deck to some of his crew. They get to digest what the Genesis device is. This is one of the weirdest parts of the movie to me because we saw this exact pitch deck with Carol Marcus in the last film. And this time it's the same thing, but just Jim Kirk reading the Carol Marcus parts. <laughs> they just like completely edit her out of the movie. It's a level of female character erasure that is positively... Lillian. (laughs) It's really messed up. It is. It definitely feels like Gene Roddenberry had more to do with this film than the last one. Hey, I've got a question. It seems like the Savick character has been elevated, right? Into like maybe third billing in the movie. But all of the other uh, lady characters have been diminished or erased. Right. Like Uhura gets like three lines in this movie. Is it better to, I mean, is it better to have a main character or many ancillary characters if we're talking about representation? I think, I mean, Star Trek has always been about ensembles. So yeah. I think I think many ancillary characters is my instinctive mm. answer. I don't know. I just miss Carol Marcus. Yeah. That she was great. She was great. And, and, and she wanted to be in this movie. I mean, the, the story between her and Jim Kirk would be really fun to follow up on. Yeah. And we never get that. No. Unfortunate. Yeah. Anyways, that's our show, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple of boos for that joke, Adam. We're losing I mean, them. We didn't, we didn't choose a drunk Shimoda, ben. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not an official show until we do that. Anyways, the Genesis device is such a big secret that Krug says to the Klingons, don't tell any other Klingons on this ship about this thing that we are all going to get. (laughs) Anyways. No one look out the windows. (laughs) Uh, Back on Earth, Kirk is having a little party in his apartment. Very clear that Kirk does not really have any friends outside of work, which is sad. Kirk kind of has a Dr. Phil apartment, right? He's got, all, he's got that wall of guns. Yeah, he really does. That's wild. A lot of bad choices in yeah. furniture. Yeah. Uh, they are drinking the red drink of our best friend Spock died. Let's take and a it, look. Absent friends. Admiral, what's going to happen to the Enterprise? Should to be decommissioned. Will we get another ship? I can't get an answer. That question is of vital importance to check out because every time he's stationed on another ship, things, Bad things happen, Captain. He just instinctively. <laughs> oh no! Shouldn't his his hearing be fucked up? Wouldn't that be great if that were just carried forward, film to film? Yeah. You really need to be loud around Chekhov. It was his right ear, too, right? Yeah. He's standing on the wrong side of the group. Yeah. I I love his, like, future Thanksgiving pilgrim outfit. He's wearing the pilgrim costume. He should be wearing the uh, (laughs) old-timey cone-in-ear device. Yeah. Kirk is... 
dressed like a Eastern European gangster from 1993. <laughs> he, he really looks like the bouncer at a strip club. It's great. Talking about efficient sci-fi franchises, this is one of my favorite scenes just from the like Shining Time Station level special effects in the background. It's great. Because it's like his house in Sausalito or whatever, but they couldn't actually shoot at a place in Sausalito because it wouldn't look future enough, so they just built it as a miniature in the background. Uh, I'm going to show you the clip one more time. Watch the elevator over Kirk's shoulder uh, in the background of this scene. Admiral, what's going to happen to the Enterprise? Should we decommission? Little pause there. <laughs> There's just a PA with like a rope going like. Uh, <laughs> the scene gets more awkward when Sarek arrives, and Sarek is pissed for a variety of reasons. Uh, maybe the biggest reason is that he was not invited to this party. <laughs> Kirk, I like red drinks also. <laughs> did my invitation get lost in the mail? <laughs> we did not pot up that, that glass clinking sound. It is exceptionally loud in it's the movie. It's so fucking loud. <laughs> Sarek is also pissed because he assumes that Kirk has Spock's Katra and is like dilly-dallying on his way to Vulcan. And Kirk is like, what's a Katra? And Sarek's like, I will explain it to you. Do you think Sarek's like inspecting the things in Kirk's quarters for the Katra? Like maybe it's... Maybe in, it's in this gun. Maybe it's in the medicine cabinet. Maybe it's in this other gun. <laughs> maybe it's in either the fifth or sixth gun. I didn't know they still had an NRA in the future. <laughs> what the hell, Kirk? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, he, get, he gets so deep with this looking for the Katra thing that he has to rummage around in Kirk's mind, which means that Kirk has to relive the death of his best friend again. Kirk allows this, goes through all the trauma anew, and they're like, well, not here, oh well. Oh, you know what we should do, though, is look at the security tapes from the Enterprise, which coincidentally look like a tape of the previous film. A VHS tape of the previous film. Scan lines and all. Like, you know, they start... own the film of the previous film, but they're rewinding a tape of the previous film. They own it. It's they could have spliced it in. It looks exactly like the scene in Spaceballs where they get the Spaceballs yeah. tape. <laughs> Except for in that movie, it's a joke. <laughs> Anyways, they find out that the Katra... That was a very John Mulaney delivery of that. <laughs> uh, they find out that the Katra is in Bones, which would, uh, which would stand to reason. Uh, Bones has been acting real spocky lately. And also just real crazy. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they're going to have to get that Katra and get themselves to Vulcan. Call to adventure. Speaking of adventure, back on the Genesis planet, we have an away team. And it's Savik and the Marcus boy. Yeah. They find the Mark Iv torpedo tube. And, and they're like, is, well, we should look for the one with, that Spock was in. This one says Mark Iv on the outside of it. 
It looks like it's been inside someone. Yeah. It is covered in goo and surrounded by little eels. Yeah. Are these With eels the evolutionary successors of the SETI eels from the previous film? Because their DNA was there when the Genesis device went off. I don't know. I mean, that, that torpedo cruised through everyone on its way to the little mini garage door that it went out of. I mean, no one was wearing a hairnet. It could have anyone's DNA on it. Yeah. No one was prescribing to food handlers <laughs> rules when that thing was rolling out, Ben. Yeah, they, there's a deleted scene where they're all filing into the funeral and there's the, uh, the there's like the C in the window yeah. in the funeral room on the Enterprise. <laughs> this torpedo chamber has a frowny face rating. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they they hear some some whales off in the distance, and uh, they go they go to see if they can find what uh, who who is whaling out there. Yeah, whales not like whale song because that's a different movie. These yeah. are these are the cries of someone. If we get invited back to Sketchfest next year, maybe we'll talk about something like that. Mm. Um. So, Kirk uh, meets with Commander Starfleet in the Admiral's Lounge and uh, begs to get a ship so that he can go back. And um, It feels weird to see Kirk ask permission for yeah, anything, right? It really does. It's, uh, and it's a bummer when, when, Admiral, Star when uh, Admiral Morrow shuts him down. Like it's, it seems like this should be like a meeting of peers. Like Kirk should be as big an admiral as Morrow, but he is not. Morrow's the boss. He's, I think it's, he's Commander Starfleet. It's weird because it's super telling that as soon as the meeting's over and Kirk gets up, he's met at the doorway by, uh, by Chekhov and Sulu who are ready to go. Yeah. He's expecting a no. Yeah. Then why did he even ask? I don't know. It's definitely an admiral's lounge, though, since Sulu and Chekhov were not allowed in. Yeah. <laughs> We've been shopping at Wilson's Leather. <laughs> I got this cape. <laughs> and we bought you this jacket. Chekhov bought earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into old-timey football now. <laughs> Um, also doing a bit of bar hopping is uh, Dr. McCoy. He goes to the world's shittiest uh, Moss Eisley Cantina. It's Wait, not that shitty. This, this it, is the version of Moss Eisley that I would go to. It's very clear why this is his uh, why this is his local why, why this is his regular spot because it is sick bay redressed to be a bar. <laughs> That's literally what this set is. And he, How did he get past the doorman? He is crazy in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been like, you've got too much drink in you. Get out of here. I don't know why the Scottish, Scottish accent was on the doorman also. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that, was, that was great. Just keep doing impressions. You're going to get yourself canceled. You keep doing impressions. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> uh, he meets with this shitty alien and is trying to book passage for himself back 
to the Genesis to plan Genesis planet. The name of the place we're going is Genesis. Genesis? Yes, Genesis. How can you be deaf with ears like that? Genesis allowed is not his planet forbidden. Look, backwards friend. Genesis may be planet forbidden, but I'm damn well. Sir, I'm sorry, but your voice is carrying. All right. Now, if you were watching that scene, you may have gotten confused to see this guy and this guy in the same scene. And that immediately butts a scene with this guy in it. And if that was confusing to you, I just want to tell you you're racist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to be the one to break it to you. That's just my brand, okay? I guess I'm racist, because I, <laughs> I found that confusing. Oh, no, Adam, you're canceled. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the 80s. Everyone had a mustache. <laughs> Everyone was racist. <laughs> it was the style of the time. Uh, we are already in a heist movie, and we don't even know it. It's wild, right? Because the heist started back at the Starfleet Marriott. Yeah. The second Admiral Morrow said no, the heist was on. Right. And the first stop is breaking bones out of jail. They they meet a very... Where he's being ridiculed. (laughs) Yeah. You're mentally ill. You should feel ashamed of yourself. Cool. Uh, But they break him out. Uh, Sulu gets in a bit of a tussle with one of the prison guards who was being a real asshole to Sulu. Like, Sulu was right to do this, but also a bit of an overreaction. You want to take a look at that clip? Yeah. That's the end of the movie. No one makes fun of me and lives to tell the tale. (laughs) And then... I'd rather die than let a bully live. (laughs) (laughs) And then they steal the Enterprise. We get the one cool scene with Uhura where she shoves Mr. Adventure in the closet at phaser point. Yeah. That's it. That's it for her pretty much in this movie. Do you think you start writing this movie from this scene out? It's a cool scene, but I wish they hadn't because it it writes Uhura out of the story. I don't mean specifically the Uhura scene. I mean the stealing of the ship. Do you think this is the very first scene that they wrote and then they just did did circles around it to build the film? Because it sure feels that way. It... That would be the way I would recommend doing it. Unfortunately, what it feels like to me is they wrote it from Spock being okay at the end, and then they wrote backwards from there. That's the wrong starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another super dweeby captain in Starfleet is the captain of the Excelsior, who uh, is uh, caught with his pants down here because Scotty has kind of rigged his ship to not go and has rigged the Enterprise to be very easy for a skeleton crew to operate. Why is he allowed to bring a riding crop to work? (laughs) Seems like HR would have something to say about that. If a manager at your workplace walks around with a riding crop, (laughs) 
I think that's an HR violation. Yeah, that is a problem. Um, you want to look at the clip where they steal the Enterprise? Yeah, it's the best part. Scotty, we'll need everything you have. Aye, sir. What drive standing by? Kurt. You do this, you'll never sit in the captain's chair again. Warp speed. Aye, sir. Warp speed. Prepare for warp speed, stand by, transwarp drive. Buckle up! Transwarp at your command. This sir. ship doesn't have inertial dampers! Execute. How many times have we done this show? <laughs> Maybe 10. I noticed something this time that I've never seen before. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Rob, tell me if we can start the clip and then stop it at any point. Is that something we can do? No, okay. Then, then we won't. During the wide shot where Kirk is sitting down and doing the cold-blooded like warp speed, which I think is one of Shatner's best moments in his, his entire career. Like, he is a killer in that moment. Yeah. In the soft focus behind him, they put Chekhov at Ahura's position, and Chekhov is wearing the ear thing <laughs> in his ear. Somebody's got to be on comms. And he's holding it in because his ear hole's too big. <laughs> it got he stretched out. <laughs> he doesn't have the friction. He needs, that, he needs the stitch. Yeah. He needs the ear stitch. He needs to go to ear hole rejuvenation surgery. He does. That is such a scam. You know, I mean, the beauty industry tries to make men sensitive about the size of their ear holes, and it's very unfair. If I'm delegating tasks on this pirate ship that is now the Enterprise, <laughs> I'd probably stick him somewhere else, right? Something not ear-related. I think that's just mean. That's all I'm saying. On the Genesis planet, they find young Spock, who is a kid, and he goes through a series. I mean, I think there's like five people cast in this part. Right. Crucially, and just for the sake of this show, Spock was a 55-year-old man when he died, and this is him regenerating. So it's not really a kid. No, he's a 55-year-old kid, a (laughs) 55-year-old 12-year-old, a 55-year-old 16-year-old. Just keep that in mind. Which means we can make fun of him (laughs) in any way we choose, because he's 55. 55. Uh, Krug destroys the Grissom in orbit, and we just don't care. (laughs) No one grieves for the Grissom or Captain Esteban. I think it, like... It, it raises the stakes a little for David and Savick and Spock because there's no, like, yeah. there's no support for them in orbit, but... That's the only reason we care. I also care a little bit because all of Grissom's DNA is now raining down <laughs> on the Genesis planet, <laughs> and there would be nothing worse than to see a Genesis planet populated by little Grissoms. All these shitty Grissoms running around in Starfleet is a war crime. 
Would you rather fight one horse-sized Grissom or 50 Grissom-sized horses? I think that one horse-sized Grissom was much easier to beat than 50 Grissom-sized horses. The mane on that Grissom horse. Pretty thick. It's not the only thing that's thick. The horse is 55, people. All right, okay. Krug beams down to the planet. It's going to take me a long time to stop thinking about the 55-year-old giant-dicked horse that lives on the Genesis planet. (laughs) Roman free. Hey, speaking of giant dicks, Krug beams down to the Genesis planet and finds the casket. And uh, one of those bugs has turned into a hentai tentacle (laughs) and tries to choke him out. There aren't a lot of funny scenes in this movie, but this is definitely one of them. I mean, Krug is supposed to be like this incredibly menacing figure. I think that the last, like, like Wrath of Khan is about deepening the mythos of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and the, like, the Starfleet mythos. And I think this one is like, is like deepening the Klingon mythos and how dangerous they are. And then, like, also weirdly Vulcan. <laughs> like, like, Vulcan seems like a really fucked up and shitty planet. I don't know why everybody wants to go there the entire movie. No. Because it looks dry and terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't really know how the Vulcans survive, given how dusty their planet is. It looks like SETI Alpha 5, you know? <laughs> What's going on with Vulcan? What do they eat? <laughs> what? Why are you dragging Vulcan like this? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to both sides Vulcan, <laughs> but it seems like they've got some things going for them. They seem to be like technologically advanced. Yeah, they're uh, they're spacefaring. They have they have access to uh, they're doing to libraries surprisingly well, given what a dump they live on. Guess so. Wow. <laughs> Somebody went. Oh. <laughs> Hey, do you think Christopher Lloyd in the 80s feels like a different type of casting than we see him as right now? And that's why maybe the Krug character doesn't hit as hard as maybe oh, maybe he would. Maybe we've got too much other Lloyd in our heads. I don't know. This is probably peak Lloyd, right? Yeah. He did I have mean, a lot of time machines in the 80s. I don't feel like people like him less now. I feel like, if anything, people like him more. But maybe people just don't fear him. Yeah. You fear a John Larroquette, and you always will. Who is also a Klingon in this movie, which I never knew until this tour. Um, Well, he's he's on the ship. He's one of the guys on the ship. I think he's the one that... is Is he the one that finds the countdown? Yeah. Maybe. He's one of them. Anyways. Yeah, they all die anyway. Watch it again. I'm sorry. You have to watch it again now. Uh, Spock starts to go through Ponfar. This is the super secret Vulcan uh, puberty thing. It's that they. It's when your fingers go through some changes. <laughs> so it'd be great if he held up his hand and it was just very hairy. <laughs> so check this out. At the end of this movie, Spock is back to the age he was at the end of Wrath of Khan. 
And they say that this happens every seven years, so presumably he's like aging dog ear years on Genesis. So he will have had to go, go through Ponfar a bunch of times yeah. over the course of, you know, time when the camera is pointing at something else, I guess. But I think this movie implies that Savick fucks Spock. I'm going to prove it to you people. It is called Ponfar. Ponfar. Looks very pent up. I think that means they had sex. I don't know. Again, he is 55. He at least got a hand job. Yeah. And he's 55 years old, so it's okay. Step being so sex negative. Uh, Krug finds them. Was that at me? No, it was to the detractors. Oh, yeah. The people that regret coming out tonight. <laughs> they are legion. <laughs> Uh, Krug finds them. I think it's a little weird that Savak calls him my lord. It's like a weird honorific to give somebody that's taking you hostage. Maybe she's trying to get in good with him. Maybe. She's like, just gets the, uh, the Stockholm Syndrome super quickly. Yeah. It's part of Vulcan anatomy is that they, they're super susceptible to Stockholm sy Syndrome. Let's see those hands. <laughs> uh, but the Enterprise shows up. Again, no shields. Uh, no, like, nothing. He even gets called out on it. Yeah, Kurt keeps coming to the the regular sector without the shields up and keeps getting in surprise dogfights with other ships. This time, a bird of prey that is cloaked. Uh, and uh, and uh, he in, in the process of this space battle, he kills Krug's dog. Which means that Krug is basically basically John Wicking his way through the rest of the film. <laughs> it's like if John Wick died at the end. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I've never seen any of the John Wicks. Yeah, you're doing it wrong, man. You're gonna love those movies. Yeah. I don't know if I can now that I'm a dog owner. I yeah. think, think we just hurt too much. The beginning is hard. Yeah. All right. It gets better. Okay. As a man with as much revenge in his heart as you. Yeah. I think you would Maybe really it would be good for me. I think you would really respond to the message of John Wick. Okay. That's a good note. David Marcus has been killed and Kurt kind of gets this news mid space battle. Which is amazing because, like, while he is processing the death of his son, he is also still playing space battle chess against Krug and tricking Krug into sending almost the entire complement of his crew over to the Enterprise. And this is an amazing hero moment for Kirk 
I don't think that we feel David Marcus's death that much because David Marcus dies behind a tumbleweed. <laughs> it's a crazy scene because the second Star Trek film is so violent. And so gory. Yeah. And this movie hides almost all of the blood. Right. And I think it's because the R rating like happened in between the last movie and this one. Like it, it had it had just debuted, and so they were probably a little bit nervous about getting slapped with an R. The uh, the PG thirteen. Oh, the PG thirteen. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll leave. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't want a pedant to uh, get at you after the show. That would be bad. Uh, so they abandoned ship. If uh, if you guys saw our last show, you know. Uh, it took a, a very long retina scan procedure to open the Genesis uh, PowerPoint. It is really easy to set self-destruct on a Federation flagship. <laughs> the password is basically one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> and you get, I think, one of the great scenes and sequences in all of Star Trek, a shot that they're so proud of that they showed it in the movie trailer. Right. The, the destruction of the Enterprise, spoiled in the trailer. Spoiled at Taco Bell. Like, they, they gave away... We had, uh, on tour, we had Taco Bell tour glasses that they, that they sold at the Taco Bell restaurants the year this film came out. And one it's of like the glasses Spock is... like, is alive, crew yeah. dies, the ship gets blown up. Right. It's how like, would, what the fuck, Taco Bell? <laughs> how would you like this film ruined by a Dr. Pepper? Because it happened. For a lot of people. It'd be like if the merch for, for, uh, for Empire Strikes Back was about how Luke was Darth's son, you know? Like, why would you spoil it on the, on the glass at the, at the fast food restaurant? <laughs> Anyways, do you guys want to watch a clip of the Enterprise exploding? I think we have that. Eight, seven, six, five. Get out! Three, Get out of there! I like the bird of prey, like, whoop, gotta go. Fuck, that is rugged. I love that it looks incomplete. Yeah. Like there's something about uh, what they did that was wrong. You know? It's fucking dope. RSVP yeah. the entrepreneur. Yeah. So, now Krug has to beam down to the Genesis planet where everybody is and confront Kirk finally. And uh, this is when Spock starts to really like have his super bad headache. Right? <laughs> right. Right. And it's given him some super strength. Yeah. Let's take a look at that. <laughs> what a yeah, bad special effect. Ah, neutral, little, little, different. Tell Newfren where it hurt. We've been thinking about cutting that clip for every show. Every show we have ever done is we're thinking. We like it. Yeah. So Nobody that's why it stays. Does. Yeah. The end of the show is really a clip show for us. Yeah. We get we get dense with the clips. Yeah. 
Kirk uh, finds his his son's corpse and grieves David for a little while. That's pretty sad. Is it? <laughs> and then he gets in a big a big old Star He's Trek. He's not fight. even listening to me anymore. <laughs> This is Kirk. this is year three of a podcast hosting relationship. This is how this is how it is now. <laughs> Why won't you look at me during the live shows anymore, Ben? Hey, could we get the lights a little lower? Uh, they get in a you big know when I do this show, I'm thinking of someone else, Ben. <laughs> Whatever you have to do to get there. Yeah. Thinking of young young Roderick? <laughs> Apparently that's what I look like. My God, I've surrounded myself with Rodericks. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. Uh, Krug and Kirk get in a great big Star Trek fight after Krug beams everybody up to the ship. And uh, this is a surprising fight for Kirk because no Kirk chops. He right. does not do the, like, signature move at all. He does do face kicking, though. I think that uh, this is crucial because, you know, Star Trek gets dragged a lot for stealing shit from other sci-fi franchises. But this scene, Star Wars stole lock, stock, and barrel. Like, it's the true. end of the movie being a big cataclysmic fight in a lava river. Right. They fucking stole that shit. We know exactly where they got it. Take a look at how similar this is to that Star Wars thing. Give me your hand! At the end of the movie, there's just a scene of a hooded guy in like a dark cave, and he goes, Lord Grug, rise. <laughs> and he goes, No! Get out of there! <laughs> I don't even really know what the premise of that joke is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It works. So <laughs> we see so much in this film effects wise, but we do not see the Genesis planet exploding. Yeah. Isn't that weird? They Kirk beams up to the the uh, bird of prey. They figure out how to put it to warp just at the last minute. And the camera pans away before we see the planet explode. Right. Fuck. <laughs> I feel like any film made from 1990 onward would contractually have to show the planet exploding. <laughs> you make that happen, right? Yeah, you got to make that happen. Well, anyways, uh, that's sort of the end of the movie. But then there is a long epilogue, which is, you know, like your 1980s sci-fi space opera ends and then a long religious ceremony starts. <laughs> which is really in keeping with your theory about if this is the scene that you wrote first, it sort of explains why 
we're spending 20 minutes in an orthodox religious service <laughs> at the end of a sci-fi movie. Yeah, this is the refusion. They're going to take the Katra out of bones and put it back into Spock. It works. Feels great. Feels real good. I think if you're a casual moviegoer, this scene is like meaningless to you, right? I'm not, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really good at the end of this, though. It's, it feels good to have Spock back. My problem with it is that was there ever any doubt? It never feels like there was. Mostly because everything is given away in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie that Ronald Reagan famously did not care for when he screened it at Camp David. He didn't, he famously didn't care for a lot of things that I value. If you, that's the cheapest heat you can get in San Francisco. That's an easy one. <laughs> um... Look it up. You can actually find Reagan's diary entry about this movie. <clears throat> and it's like, he doesn't like that it's kind of like a message of... Jelly bean, jelly bean, <laughs> jelly bean. Well, it is sort of anti-nuclear power in the end, you know? It is. Because how does Vulcan... How do the Vulcans survive on their dusty planet? They have to be generating nuclear power. They and don't it, have hydroelectric yeah. power, certainly. They're certainly it's a dust bowl. And so it goes out on this weird note. I'm just going to touch your chest. <laughs> and I am not going to stop. Just going to keep it right there. That is Greatest Gen Con 2, Star Trek 3. Did you like the movie, Adam? I really do go back and forth, and I try to give this a different feel every time. This time, after a very long layoff of thinking <laughs> about this movie, I did really like it. Yeah, this movie's good. <laughs> it, is a, it is a chill hot tub, turn your brain off kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't ask a lot of you. Yeah. There are some Star Trek films that do, and this one does not. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I like it. It's, it's a weird movie. It's super weird. You have to really like Star Trek to like care about what happens in it, I think. But I do. I, I do really like Star Trek, guys. <laughs> I mean, after the latest Star War, I feel like this is like maybe the greatest film ever made. <laughs> you're losing them. You're losing them. <laughs> Adam, do you want to uh, see if we have any Priority One messages in the oh, inbox? Oh, I, I know we do. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Hey guys, we have two Priority One messages here, and I am really excited to announce that the folks from Amazon Watch uh, are in the audience tonight. 100% of the proceeds from P1s uh, on this tour have gone to Amazon Watch, which is an amazing organization that helps uh, indigenous groups that live in the Amazon fight deforestation and global warming. Hey, where are you guys? Stand up and uh, take your well-deserved... Hey! Thanks for the work you do. Thank you for what you do. Um, you know, it, so many places in the world are on fire right now. It's it's hard to choose. Yeah. Which, which one <laughs> which we want to yeah. send a Dixie cup of water to. But I'm, uh, I'm glad we chose Amazon Watch. They're yeah, great. they do really amazing work. It's, uh, it's indigenous-centered and super cool stuff. And uh, we uh, have raised like $2,600 for them already so far on this tour. Uh, and uh, more tonight. And we really appreciate all of the Friends of DeSoto who have helped in that goal. Um, our first P1 is from Sellout and Physicist, and it is to Naomi and Kevin. It goes like this. By the time you hear this, you'll both be well into old age. Our show wasn't that long. We hope this, brings, we hope this year brings you closer to your cat dad dreams, to great new science, and to eating enough gach and drinking blood wine. Oh, and to eating gach and drinking blood wine with us. Happy birthdays to both of you. Aww. Happy birthdays, Naomi and Kevin. Ben, our second priority one message is from Hope, and it's to Rob. Oh, I see Hope and Rob in the front row. <laughs> the message goes like this. 15 years ago, yesterday, we drunkenly kissed at a party because a friend dared us to. Wow. <laughs> How you ever went from that to actually wanting to date me <laughs> is still a mystery to me. But you wanted to see me again, and well, 15 years later, here we are at a live Star Trek podcast. Hell yeah. Thank you for being nerdy with me, for putting up with my broken brain, and for agreeing to bring pipes into our world, I can't imagine my life without you. I'm so lucky you stuck around and made me your wife. I love you. Wow. Very, very sweet. That's great. My wife wouldn't even kiss me on a dare. All right. <laughs> All right. You want to get into drunk shamanas? Yeah. There's one last thing we need to do, Ben. I need to ask you a question. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk shimoda? I did. This is one of those drunk shimodas that you only notice when you have to watch the movie like 10 times to get ready for your tour. So this is a... 
scene after that Ponfar part, but before the Klingons have actually made contact with Savick and David and Spock on the surface of the planet. Uh, this is when the planet is starting to like come apart because of the Genesis effect being unstable. There's the whole like C storyline about the proto matter and David Marcus actually being bad that we don't care about. Right. We didn't even bring that up at all, but he's dead. So yeah. Who gives a shit? He's the dead the anyway. He's safe with Savick, who is the only person that knows about it at the That's end of this movie. Right. But anyways, uh, this is sort of who that... plays Savick in the fourth movie. <laughs> This is sort of that post-coital nap that we mm. often take. You know what? I mean, you can't even touch his fingers. They're so sensitive. Yeah. Ah, overwhelming. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to uh, take five on the couch. <laughs> Savik is leaning against this tree, sleeping, and then there's an earthquake, and the camera momentarily cuts up to the branches of the tree and there's just a Klingon climbing in it. I don't know why a Klingon would be climbing a tree. Let's take a look at this clip. All right, did you see it? We're gonna show it one more time. Ben, you and I know this from our many years of production work, right? Sometimes mm. you don't have coverage. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta, there's no way to get a shot of tree branches shaking. So you just gotta use the one with the, with the Klingon in it. It's a very funny looking tree though. <laughs> this season we're also upgrading the garden on the Genesis planet. And we're bringing in samplings of a variety of trees, including this warrior tree. The key to growing a strong warrior tree is the inclusion of protomatter <laughs> in the soil below. We're digging a hole that's three times the width of the root ball and backfilling with fertilizer. That way, when the season is right, you'll have fresh warriors on your table every night of the summer. Probably a lot of mealy warriors on the mm. Genesis planet, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. You got you to probably look up your... best for pie, right? Yeah, yeah. Make sure your climate zone is right if you're trying to cultivate warriors. <laughs> uh, Adam, did you have a drunk Shimoda? <laughs> Indeed, I did. Um, there is one moment of incredible awkwardness in this film. It occurs pretty early on. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of awkward moments in the film, but there's one that is so exquisite, it makes, me, <laughs> it makes me cringe to even think about it. This guy was clearly on the ship during the second movie. He experienced all of it. He saw the many dying people. He would have had to have been. Yeah. There's no way he's on the ship if he wasn't in the ship during Wrath of Khan. No way that he wasn't there is what I was saying. And yet he has... I'm just backing you up. I'm, I am supporting your argument, Adam. He asks Kirk if there's going to be a party for them when they get back. I believe we have a clip. I was wondering, are they planning a ceremony when we get in? Uh, I mean a reception. Are your girls welcome, Sean, is that what you like? 
Well, God knows I should be. It's time we paid for the party with our dearest blood. <laughs> Have you ever asked someone a question and the answerer to that question just like stares off into the middle distance and, and walks away? It happens to me all the time. I love the cut to Ahura in that yeah. moment, like, fuck, shut up, shut up, don't. What does this guy want, a sheet cake? Would that really yeah. make his grief better? Is there going to be so. a Carvel ice cream cake for us when we get back, Admiral? You know, a, a, a fudgy the whale would really, <laughs> would really help my broken heart. <laughs> yeah, that's my drunk Shimoda. Wow, good drunk Shimoda, Adam. Yeah. I don't want to go. Yeah. I'm having too much fun up here. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you all for coming out tonight. Thank you so much for coming out to SF Sketchfest. We need to thank SF Sketchfest for having us back for some yeah. reason. This is amazing and what a treat to get to do. We also got to thank the wonderful staff at Cobb's Comedy Club. They take who, such good care of us. We know they've work. taken good care of you. Uh, tip your bartenders and waiters uh, handsomely. Uh, and uh, we really got to thank our buddy Rob Schulte up there in the booth. Without whom this would not really be a show. I think that's it, right? Thank you, Friends yeah. of DeSoto. Thanks for being here. We love you. Thanks for coming out. Life is but a dream. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture.
Artist owned. Audience supported.